Hi, everybody. Welcome to your conversation with Tom and Drew and Tom. And I'm Drew. And this is the only podcast where we will guarantee the only thing you'll hear is mediocrity. Excellent. Uh, excellent work so far, Tom. Yeah. I wanted to get in there quick. And you succeeded. Uh, did it. All right. Bam. How many did we say? I can't remember how many eight-year-olds I said I could take out. It's probably you said seventy-five. Well, that's that's what Chris said. Oh, seventy-five. I don't remember number. my number. Seventy-five seems like a lot. I probably, I probably, hundred. Depends on the Chris. weapon, right? Like, I get it. Chris is right. You can just push them over. They're not as unless they organize. Like, if somehow there was like a leader and it was like, everyone come to me. Yeah. We Lee. act as one, right? He's then I'm the cot shell. Or yeah, then I'm fucked, right? Well, that's the whole thing, right? Like, I can't believe we're talking about this again, but like, <laughs> this is where we fight. Yeah, this is where he dies. Right. <laughs> um, if they organize, you can't yeah. win. No, right? it's just, just no, a, no, it's no. just a numbers game at that point. Mm-hmm. But like, the only chance you would really have, regardless of number, is that like you you have to be so physically intimidating that they're afraid to attack you. Like, right. No one's willing to be the one that takes the punch on the way in so that the eight guys behind them can win. Now, I can't remember if we talked about it this way, but let's say you get a year to train. Yeah. If you get a year to train and however you see most beneficial to you, whether it's fighting training or just endurance training, you're going to be wanting it to be able to run. Yeah. For like ten miles without breaking a sweat, I think to make no, this I, easier, I can take more than a year at this point. But yeah. so that <laughs> you'd be surprised, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, so you get a year to train, and you get to pick your number. How many do you think? <clears throat> this goes for you too, everybody else listening. Yes, Max from Germany. I don't forget. <laughs> I haven't forgotten about you. Let me know how many eight year olds you could beat up. Uh, he's only like 20, so this will be... Oh, no, he's like man. Seven, he's like 17 or 18 now. So he's got way more energy than since. Yeah. Yeah, certainly than I do. But like, I'm... So if I got in shape, I mean, I'm... I'm I mean, like, I'm pretty well put together. You're an, you put an imposing figure together, for sure. Yeah, so like, I think that I would want... A, I would want to like... I think my problem always been has been with endurance sports is that like, I'm certainly not super muscular but like i am more i think i am more muscular than the average person my size Uh uh-huh and like i just gas so easily right so like that would be my whole focus is like i need to just figure out like i'm already stronger than an eight-year-old like i'm not worried about that right right it's just how long can i keep going especially if these little bastards get their claws Uh, yeah and you don't have to kill them it's just submit We'll say make them submit. Maybe not fight to the death. Yeah, that I think my, things. my first goal would be to choke two of them unconscious, grab them by their ankles, and use them as some kind of like... That's what I said last time, yeah. Yeah, some nunchucks. Or maybe that's some where I took the inspiration from. <laughs> you know, you got like an eight-year-old in one hand, you're doing the Michelangelo or whatever. From yeah. The yeah, yeah. That would be pretty scary, I think, to the other eight-year-olds. Like, I, 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 just windmilling. Yeah, just like spin yeah. around like... Uh, Sound yeah. of music, lady. Yeah. The hills are alive with the sound of crying eight-year-olds, hopefully. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a Broadway classic ready to be made. So Okay. Yeah. So how we many should you revisit think, this topic again? Maybe we maybe this is like the new exercise craze, like the eight-year-olds <laughs> 
plan or whatever. Let's make an app. Yeah. And then like, yeah, it's yeah. just like how we would train if in one year from the date that you start, you had to yeah. take on an ever and never ending wave of eight year olds. Yeah. You, you put in, you put in your metrics or whatever. And then we tell you how many eight year olds you could probably defeat. Yeah today and then you put in how many eight-year-olds you want to be able to defeat in 30 60 90 days and then we put yeah. together a regimen for it that's genius that's pretty easy math and yeah also like the shame that would accompany that number would be a real motor right <laughs> like they're like four you Pops. could take 17 eight-year-olds you're like oh, i don't know about that that's not even a whole classroom today you know yeah I got yeah. We could measure it by class. How many classrooms of eight year olds could you dispose? Yeah. Of? What's the average classroom size? Is it 23, 25? It's got to be in that range. You just run from room to room and they're yeah. all just waiting. Yeah. You're in quote unquote good shape when you can take out a middle school, you know, like. Yeah. With your, with your hands, no firearms allowed. Okay. Yeah. Rest of America. Right. Come on, guys. Like, do it like our, our ancestors did. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ah, there's something to that. Yeah, it it uh it warrants further exploration. I'm gonna add that to my idea journal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have one of those or not, but I hope that you do. You're damn right I do. Are you kidding yeah. me? I'll bet that'd be a an evening's read right Defeat there. Feet an eight year old exercise app. Exercise app. It's in the list now, baby. Okay uh okay we should, an, we should get an intern for this <clears throat> if anyone's out there as app creating experience hmm. let us know ground floor everybody ground floor so we're talking about chapter 23 yeah we are the spies do you want to start there or do you want to go in like chronological order of events explain so do you want to try and figure out who the spies are? Oh. Or do you want to discuss it as we go through the episode? Let's discuss it as we go. Okay. How many spies are there? Well, it's plural. So I would imagine that baseline is two, right? Like, yeah, I think the more that they try, if they try to work more than two into the story, I think that's getting really complex. I think we all know who my first... There's a lot of money riding on your your suspect. That's right. That's right. Vegas betting big sports books. Is it in there? No. I can't imagine it's not. (laughs) I mean, that's true. Think think of all the money idiots waste on sports. Triple it for Star Wars. I mean, yeah. NHL playoffs start today. For anyone who cares. Nice, nice. Who we rooting for in years? Your house. Uh, Well, Kings are there, so them because the Penguins are not. For the first, they have the 16 years straight they've been to the playoffs and they didn't make it this year. That's like the most in sports history a lot. of sport. Uh, so there needs to be some sort of noir detective style movie set in Coruscant because this beginning. You like that? Yeah. So like the rain drizzling down on everybody. I yeah, was the, like, the lights and everything. Yeah. Neon lights. The rain, though, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Coruscant's environment and weather is like is done by a computer. Oh, sure. So, so like they plan for it to be drizzly or whatever. And I just had this. Like, it's so gross. But like I was just like, 
she's in the lower levels. That's probably just the piss of all the elites. Oh yeah, coming down from on top because, but like when the probe droid comes out of the like light or whatever, I was yeah. like, well, that is a that is a really good idea for a shot. Like that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, is that Empire Tech probe droids? Yeah, or because that's we see them used against the resistance, right? The resistance, um, well, like in the movies, the rebellion. Yep, that's what I meant. Okay. Um. So, the only reason I clarified was because the resistance was the name of Leia's group in the sequel trilogy. Ah, of course. Yeah. Right. Too many R's. Talking trilogy here. Um, the separatists might have used something close to a probe droid. But the Empire, for sure. I mean, the first time that we, I think we really see an ep- a probe droid is in episode five, Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. when he, like, Vader's dropping them off and shooting them all over the galaxy, and then one crash lands on Hoth, and you know, and what, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. And people were like, ooh, those are scary, and, you know, and they've just always been scary, you know, like 45 years later. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really good addition to the Star Wars lore. <clears throat> Um, yeah, that was, that was a a cool scene. The whole setting, I think, of course, uh, there's a lot you can do there just because of all the different layers and how big it is and and how many people live there. I thought that I heard somewhere that the population of Coruscant was a trillion people. Yeah. I don't know so that that's many. I don't know that that's accurate. I would have to look it up on Wikipedia, but but like all those layers, the whole planet is is inhabitable. Like we don't live on, you know how much how much of our land space is, is taken up by the ocean? Like seventy percent. Yeah, you know, imagine if you got that space back. <laughs> you know, <Right>. like <laughs> you could fit a lot of people. We we fit a good amount here. Two trillion, it says. Two trillion people. 68% human. That seems like a lot. Well, you got to remember, like, especially in the time frame that we're in right now, the Empire was in control of Coruscant and they hated non humans. That's true. That was like That's true. a policy of theirs. So I'm assuming that they were forcibly relocated to somewhere <laughs> else less visible by ice. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so. We see the girl that we can never remember the name of. Elia Kane. There it is. Uh, Gideon's spy. Spy. Okay. <laughs> so so she's, she's spy number one. Then she knows what happened on Navarre. Yep. In rather good detail. Yep. She's well placed spy. Yeah. Um. And then we see, I mean, then we see Gideon go to a meeting of sorts, the Shadow Council. This is, so this is a big deal. There's a lot of big deals in this episode. Yeah. In a lot of different ways. I feel like um, this episode is what you would have wanted all episodes to be like. It's an accurate description. Because it really just plays to the main storyline. And there's a lot going on that all drives towards the end. Yes. More right. directly, right? 
So the shadow council, so this, the, the importance of this meeting is in the old canon, the remnant was exactly that. Like there were just pockets of warlords and that the way the new Republic won was they isolated them off uh, and took them down one at a time. And that's not what's happening here. What we, what we see is all these little warlords are technically working together and trying desperately not to let the well sort of yeah more than not none at all right <laughs> right and so and then trying to not let the new republic understand that there is some kind of coordination between these cells or groups or remnants it's, it's essentially a more coordinated effort uh of what the resistance did right yes. um where there were a bunch of people that didn't like what the government was doing but they were all separate. And so uh what's his name? Mugali. Whatever that whoever that guy is, I can't remember his name now. Sagarera. Sagarera, thank you. He he mentioned, you know, uh if you if you unite them it's a big deal. Right. If you keep them separate, no one's going to hear them at all. Right. And this is essentially the same th- tactic that they're using except they're more uh coordinated with it sort of yes so um we walk in we see uh gideon walks in and we see them already in discussion and i thought this was a nice way to open this group because we don't really know who any of these people are we learn a couple of their names but there's one of them that's like we could make a fortune plundering the space lanes and i'm like (laughs) that is a straight up pirate man and like that kind of leader he was kind of the reason why the new Republic was able to win is because it's like singular, singularly visioned, you know, one vision, his own, he wants to do this for very like basic greedy reasons. Like those were the kinds of people that like the new Republic just wiped up, you know, just took them off the map. The problem uh, is that there are smarter people on this council that can manipulate people like that guy yeah you know he's a thug like he's a hammer right and they have a place right but it's not subterfuge correct that's gideon's (laughs) yes but the big deal for me here and i didn't know this when i watched it i had i learned this later when i looked up the credits we see a guy named captain pelion Mm -hmm. who's kind of um let's say championing grand admiral thrawn's return yeah the real this, thrawn fan stands. He is well in the old can canon this is his number two thrawn's number two. Oh, okay this is thrawn's this was thrawn's right hand man in the books heir to the empire um they have a extremely close working relationship and in the old canon when thrawn did return from the unknown regions uh, Pelion was responsible for like getting him up to speed on what had gone on. Yeah. And then turned over control uh, to Thrawn. And so, A, that character is in Star Wars now. Yeah. Hooray. I'm, I'm fucking <laughs> yeah. stoked. Yeah. So, like, that, that character in the old canon ends up becoming the leader of the Imperial Remnant, which is this little dot on the map. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But, like, it be, eventually becomes like a 
uh, city-state in the bigger gover- galactic government. Like, it actually, they get incorporated into, like, the New Republic. So, at some point. So, I'm stoked about him. And then the other guy that he was talking to, Rendell right? Hux, yeah. is General Hux's dad. Oh, from the sequel trilogy and there is your fucking link okay that is the link to the mando universe and all the new canon tying directly into the timeline of the sequel trilogy there's no more retconning there's not going to be changes that is the that is the bridge the bridge is complete between the sequel trilogy and the canon that we have explored since the sequel trilogy has come out now there is a straight link interesting there's going to be a second one in the same episode but right. like that as soon as they said his last name i was like that's it that's it <laughs> there's right. not going to be any more there's not going to be any more the, the sequels don't count the sequels aren't going to be some kind of canon and ever oh. since this episode came out yeah all the naysayers all the sequel trilogy haters are like it's an alternate timeline oh my god and i'm like Shut up! You lost. <laughs> okay, you, you got you had five years to sit around and think like, oh, maybe they'll no, dude. They built theme parks and yeah. rides and fig, figurines and merchandise and yeah, all they did was gave you a time to chill down a little bit, and then now here you go. You know, took the sting out of it. And and I mean, Ray is coming back in the movies too. So like, yes, yeah, she is. So and, and I might add that. The, the first episode after Star Wars Celebration was this one. Yeah. Now, I don't think that they make these kind of mistakes in timing anymore. No, not a chance. Not a chance. So so then they also talked about Project Necromancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, is this, is this Palpatine becoming undead sort of deal? So I think that it's either one of two things. I think they're both basically the same thing. It's either... <sighs> It's either the continuation of that idea, right? Mm-hmm. Where Palpatine needs clone bodies to transfer his soul basically into, or it's the project that creates Snoke. Oh, okay. Which is also a failed clone of Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. So I don't know what goes into that, but I think that that's very, first of all, not exactly the best code name <laughs> out there. Like, no. Hey, it's World War II. Let's let's roll out Operation Bomb Berlin. But what do they mean? What could that be code for? <laughs> mm. Get our best chief graphologists or or code breakers. That's they're called something. Get Alan Turing. Yeah, he quickly. He, he's really smart. Worked out poorly for Alan Turing. Sorry about well, that, Alan. We don't have a good history um, as a people. <laughs> yeah. So if 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 I've learned anything. Super important dude. Yeah. We know just the thing to say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. Awful. Okay. Uh, What is Gideon up to? Because other people are like, hey, man, what's going on with... First of all, he's like, hey, everyone, stay in all of your lanes. I stay in my lane, you stay in your lane. And then someone's like, hey, how's that going with uh, the clone technology and and, uh, scientist Perth or whatever? And he's like, ah, sorry, I don't know. But I did have his brain scrambled. But I don't know. Right? Like, 
that's not his division. And he actively disrupted somebody else's division seemingly for his own gain. Now I, I get the question. Okay. So like he's in it all for him. I mean, I was under the impression that he was a Palpatine fuckboy. Sure. But now this sort of goes against all of that, right? I that's the that's what I took away from it. Like this seemed like a very clear power play on his part. So like you're right. He basically opens up the, his part of the meeting saying, like, hey, you know, I stay in my lane, you guys should stay in your lane, which keeps them sure Docile. inside the box, you know, yeah. like in and like that, you can manipulate people when you know the parameters by which they're operating. And then, like, he asked a couple of them to give him more resources. Right. Not only am I fucking with your resources, I need more of your resources. Right. And, like, Gideon does not see, does Gideon strike you as a dude that's wasteful? No. This dude, yeah. this dude does not, there's nothing he doesn't account for. I love the way that you said that. So we know he put the bounty out for Grogu. We know that Pershing took Grogu's blood. We know that Pershing worked for Gideon. So at some point, it seems that like at least tangentially, Gideon was supporting Project Necromancer or was had access to their research or something. Yeah. And he's got his own little side projects for what purpose i don't know we hear him say later in the episode that every culture because he's like the chief cultural appropriation man (laughs) right right you know and he's like every culture has something to offer the cloners we know that he's they're involved in cloning the jedi we know that he's taken uh force sensitive blood Mm -hmm. you know and the mandalorians who he seems to have styled himself after in numerous ways yeah but like in every way that he has perverted what made these cultures, you know, unique unto themselves. And he's, he's taking them, using them for nefarious reasons. Right. Right. But like, I also think that he challenges Pelion when like, I noticed that Grand Emerald Thrawn isn't here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, how, that's how Gideon talks. And um, right, I thought, I thought that was a sound clip spot on John Carlo Esposito. Yeah. Um. <laughs> You know, and he's like, uh, maybe it's time the council looks to new leadership. And then he puts out a plan, right? Like he puts out an idea. Yeah. And like, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter what room you're in. Like, if you're in a room full of alphas and you're the alpha among alphas, they're going to follow you. Right. Right. So, like, I think that's the play here is that he this was a step toward him unifying these different groups under a different vision. Because, like, you got to remember, like, at the end of Rebels is when Thrawn is blinked away to the unknown regions or wherever Mm -hmm. the Purgles took him. And I know you haven't seen those, but like it's been years since this guy has been present to help dictate policy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and this might have just been the moment where he was like, this guy's never going to show back up. I'm going to, I'm going to make my play. Yeah. I mean, I don't see a world where Thrawn and Gideon exist together. See, Grand Animal Thrawn is great in so many different ways. Yeah. But he doesn't inspire the same kind of fear that a Vader or a Palpatine or even a Snoke 
in visions because like those are demigods those are mystical types of people thrawn's just a dude like you can shoot him and he'll die yeah you know so like he seems defeatable sure if you've got the right plan and the right resources and the ambition to do it same with gideon right well i mean that's what i'm saying like from gideon's point of view oh okay sure sure like he's looking around and it's like wait a second all the like tier one elite empire guys are gone it's just guys like me now hey i'm a guy like me (laughs) you know like I, i should be running the show yeah and we figure out i think we figure out who bombed bokatan's castle you know because we didn't think it was gideon anyway right because it's like because he was locked up or whatever <laughs> yeah turns out not so much so so yeah this was a very interesting exchange between all of them uh and i th- i mean he really wants the Mandalorians. Everyone wants the Mandalorians gone, which is interesting because they usually go to the highest bidder. Yeah. But Gideon has convinced them that leaving them around completely disrupts what they're trying to do. Which I, I don't know. I take a little umbrage with, I suppose, but like we are talking about less than a hundred people. Yeah. Right. I mean, even all the, you know, the stolen fleet people and like yeah. plus the the covert. I don't know. That it, it might be a hundred. It might be a hundred. Yeah, yeah, real, probably real close, right? And yeah. so like, that, plus two more. Yeah, plus two or, more, or a handful more when we get the Mandalore. So, um, I I will say that that fleet that they have assembled that is a real threat to, to just about anybody like mm-hmm. that fleet. I would put on the map with like, if they were to go up against any one of those like Imperial remnant guys, like that is a, we need to deal with this right now problem. Yeah. Like anything, anything short of a star destroyer. I think they are on par with as far as a military. And like, if you just, if they like, so like say the star destroyer was just hanging out by itself without any other support, give ships, them the chance. Right. And they jumped in like there's a real chance that they could just be like, we're going to we're going to one we're going to throw everything at you in wave one. Yeah. And you might be able to take that down, you know, like that is a legitimate threat. So they have that. Right. So like you can't you certainly can't let them like get going on Mandalore again and like equip everybody in Beskar and like continue to build, you know, like that's that's a real threat. But like. We have to kill them now, all of them. I don't know about that. I mean, Seems a bit dramatic. The only thing I can think is uh, Gideon has sort of instilled this fear in them the whole time, right? Because he just wants control. Right. So now there's a there's a villain, right? There's a threat to the group. Yeah. Because yeah, he's yeah. made them into a threat. So now, like, okay, we got to get rid of this threat. Give me resources. I'll do it. Oh, hey, can I get some more TIE interceptors and bombers? Mm-hmm. And then the one thing that we haven't talked about quite yet three praetorian guards yeah so first of all the praetorian guards which we have only seen working for the first order that should also be discussed here yeah is like here we now have a direct tie between the imperial remnant and the first order but like they exist now they're they're not imperial guards 
like the red dudes that hang, hung out with Palpatine in the throne room with in their crazy six. weapons, their force pikes. Yep, which are crazy weapons. Yeah, we'll have to, um, you'll have to explain that to me today. They are basically like uh, cattle prods that are supposed to be wielded by force adepts. So that go through Beskar. So the thing, like I think you're referencing Paz. Yes. He doesn't wear Beskar. Okay. But it went through his armor. It did. And like those, those dudes are legit. Those weapons that they have are legit. Like they stand up to lightsabers, right? Yeah. I give Paz all the credit in the world. That dude is an absolute boss, but he had no chance from the minute that they walked out. That was, that was a zero sum game. Yes. Not on his best day. I don't, I do not care for that part. Uh, someone on Twitter was like, I don't know that they had to send him out like that. And I was like, fuck, yes, they did. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, uh, it, that, it was, that's a death every Mandalorian would hope for. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he had to die at all, though. Okay. I can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> sure. Uh, right. So he wants these three guards, these three top tier guards. Oh man. Right? Like God. it doesn't get much better than that. Nope. How 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 do they stack up against the army that Gamoff put together at the end of the second season with the black stormtroopers? So those are droids. So okay. like um those they're two completely different threats. But I mean, it took it took a trained Jedi Knight to beat the Dark yeah. Troopers. I mean, like it's a legit. They're legit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to talk about like human based threats, sure. I, they are near. They are just underneath what a trained Force user would be. Okay. Like Luke, I don't think Luke would have a problem with them. I mean, they might be like, I'm not just gonna walk through you like I did through the droids. Yeah. You know, and like maybe one of them lands a punch or whatever, but like. Some of those guys could very easily be trained in the force, like the Inquisitors. Like we might be seeing like a you know, the timelines might be matching up where something like the leftover Inquisitors like became the Praetorian Guard. I don't know. Oh, interesting. But like I know that several of the Imperial Guards were force adepts and got their own stories in the old canon, but they're yeah. not like fully fledged Jedi or Sith. So So a lot. A lot, a lot happened in like the the before the opening, the cold open was uh, yeah. rife with information. Huh? Yes, it was. You could have just sat there processing that. Yeah, at yeah, 5:30 it, in the it was a lot. And then, you know, so the episode opens with uh, uh, Bo and Din coming back with their new friends. Yep. And it's typical shit, right? Like, no, the, the one doesn't like the other. What would she say? They don't know very much about each other, but what they do know, they hate. Right. Um, which is Protestants and Catholics all day, right? And yep. um, which is fine. I love that they had a feast, and that all of the regular or, or the, the 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 new people are just gnawing away, and all of the. Followers of the way, I don't know, the Orthodox are just sitting there like whose idea was it to have this feast where everyone is just 
I would be awkward as hell if someone invited me in their house and was like, I made dinner. I'm not eating here. You eat. Did, did you recognize <laughs> what they were eating? Uh, oh, was it those birds? Yeah. Oh, no. I wanted I mean, one of them to ride one. They would have been nice, but like. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at the pictures, it's like they're giant rotisseries. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, looking at it now. <laughs> I can't remember anything else that lives on that planet that was about that size. Right. And if we wanted to feed an extra 75 people, this is a nice place to start. Oh, man. Uh, that's great. Um, how did you feel about IG12? I thought it was an interesting idea. Um, I, my, my, so like in the first like 10, like millisecond that I saw it, I was like, man. And then I was like, wait. Yeah. And so then like once Karga is like, it's more of a vehicle now. And I was like, and so then I was really ready to hate it. Yeah. And then they put Grogu in it. <laughs> and then he starts like, he starts like walking around. Yes. Yes. No, no, no. And then I was like, yeah. no, I, I really don't like this. And then he's walking down the street with Mando. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I just started laughing so hard. Yes, me too. Right. And I was so, just like, wait a second. This is really, really this is really funny. And yeah. then he, he goes up to the street vendor. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And he just starts gnawing down on those like what looked like walnuts or just something. Hum, 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 hum. Yeah. And like I, in like in this scene, I was like, oh, this is such a subtle, cool thing. Because it's like mando goes over to him and is like oh no you have to pay for these and like he pay, gives a couple credits or whatever, yeah and he takes them away so grogu in like typical like i'm a little kid fashion picks up the next thing within reach, some fruit yeah smashes then, like, it with his robot arm holds it away from Din <laughs> yeah. Jaren, right yes. and i was like oh shit brand new like dynamic between these two right like yes now the kid has no um like wisdom or like check on like his own impulses yeah he's strong enough to make it a challenge to disobey like this is very clearly like we're gonna let you push some boundaries yeah and so then he won't give it back so he just fucking crushes it out of spite like <laughs> yeah i that's exactly sort of my thought process the whole time too yeah it's just like oh, i don't care for this oh that's no no yeah no <laughs> and he just keeps smashing it. Yeah. Uh, oh, the other thing that I thought was interesting is when they, right after they put him in. Yeah. Din Jaren and Karga are having a conversation about it. And Din's like, I don't know. I don't really like this idea. Yeah. And then like Karga He's... says something and like Grogu like fucking smashes the button. Like, yes. Yeah. And then he says something else. And it's like a legit adult sentence. Yeah. And, like He's like, yes. And I was like, oh, he understands the everything that they're saying yeah he knows exactly what's going on it's and it's not like he understands the nuances and like the like the complexity and like the textures of the conversation and all this other stuff yeah he just literally cannot speak back and now he can at least go yes and no yeah it's binary but like when he yeah the, the whole thing i thought was it made me like it a lot more for sure yeah uh it took a minute but but then when he started and then you know we see it again mm-hmm on the ship yeah. when the two, when the two Mandalorian, uh, I don't know, Acts uh, and pass. supervisors, uh, gen, like assistant managers, because yeah. they're not Bo, right? Yeah. The, the two leaders from the respective groups fight. Uh, I need you to explain that dagger to me here in a minute, but sure. they fight. 
they're about to go at it and you can't stop them Mm-mm. and and, and din, din din is like uh should we do something and well bo was like no we can't right because this is this is their culture right like everything can be everything can be answered with a fight right this would be like an italian serving you food and you just throwing it in the trash <laughs> if you broke up the fight right yeah. <laughs> right. i'm assuming that's yeah that's um because that's just their their way that's the way that's yeah the way. that is the way is fighting yeah. uh but grogu gets in the middle yeah. puts uses his robot arms to be like no 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 and they stop yeah and then they stop and like one of the probably the only people that could do something like that because he doesn't understand who else could i mean like that's yeah. exactly mm-hmm. it, right no, no one, one else could have done it no because no. no one else has that unlike i don't even know how to describe it it's not a, you're not an outsider but you're not them yeah and like you're a mandalorian you're not a full-fledged warrior but you have the force and we all know that yeah it's like he already holds in mandalorian culture a very unique role yeah for and sure he can't even talk yet no but he knows what he wants to say which is gotta be frustrating as hell for him too right can you imagine can you imagine if it was just like you were mute and you no one knew sign language and you and you only could just go yes no i would die that would be the, yeah. one of the worst tortures on earth for me yeah it would be um very unpleasant doing that uh right so they get to mandalore just chilling and then a giant ship comes up a giant sailboat yep. skiff with some uh mandalorians in it so i think these are survivors from the people who survived the purge from the purge yeah crazy it's, it's like 15 people on that boat very survive very Nope. What's the officer problem? Um, <laughs> very surprised anyone's still still living on that planet. Yeah, it doesn't look very accommodating for people. It does not. And... If you want to know who my vote is for who the spy is, yeah, they just rolled up in the skiff. Oh, yeah, I could see that for sure. Because the big the big reveal here of the episode, right, mm-hmm. is that Moff's been there forever. Hadn't left. Never actually left. Yeah. Been there forever. That's a really good point because I was like, so first of all, there's there are a bunch, there's a hangar that we see in a crevice of Mandalore. There's a whole hangar of TIE fighters and bombers. Mm-hmm. A legitimate base. Seemingly empire built. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you not survive on this place and not hear the construction at least? Right. Like you're going to notice people flying in and out. I mean, it is a big planet if you're somewhere else, but they were right there. Right. Like, I mean, like to, to that point, there's a nuclear Holocaust on earth. I'm in Michigan. I don't know that someone's setting up shop in Brazil right you know that that that's could true. happen that's true <clears throat> but, but yes mandalorians I mean, like, land in ohio right and you and i live and, in columbus right yeah. <laughs> right and then 
Because that's exactly what this was. It's like, what oh, is- we're right by the forge, which they may not even be right by the forge, right? We don't know now. Well, Axe now did that, say this was the remnants of the Great Forge. This is what's left over. So, like, okay, I would think that is legitimately w- where the Great Forge was. Okay. So, but but still, they are right next to. They probably didn't leave very go very far from where they were able to survive. No. Assuming if they had to, if they had to live off the land, right? So right. it makes a lot of sense that they didn't live off the land. They lived in that imperial outpost, and then came out afterwards. Yeah. So I'll uh, to support what you just said. Let me take you through my line of thinking here. What was the yeah. first thing they asked when they rolled up in the skiff? Um, I can tell you in a minute. Yeah, when you look it up on the captioning. Yeah. Yeah, we was, knew you'd not forsake us, Lady Bo-Katan. No, the first question they asked. Just tell us. Do you have any food? Oh, right, 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 right. There you go. I mean, loyalties be damned. If you're starving and someone gives you food, you're going to do what that person says if they have more food. So, yeah, like, that's true. They roll up in the skiff, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly beating up people, couple of people that are still, and they make a good show of it or whatever. But if you're left there and the Empire never left and you don't have any food and your fucking yeah. cities are destroyed and they feed you, and it's been years of this now. Yeah. It wasn't like they bombed Mandalore yesterday. It would not surprise me at all to had to find out that Moff Gideon saw them and was like, you will be very useful to me someday. I am not going to kill you right now. Right. Exactly. So, and then this is where my, my mind was going. Then, uh, Hey, we're trying to find the great forge. Well, we'll take you there. Yeah. Why don't you guys get on our skiff? Okay, then the fight that you described happens. Uh, you know, we, there's some tension between the groups. The armor is like, these two people are too weak to carry on. I'll take them up to the fleet. Okay, so now there's a dozen Mandalorians that may or may not be too beaten up to actually do shit. Yeah. Up in your fleet, like yeah. in one of your, your ships, probably the big one, the one that matters the most. That's my red flag. Yeah. And then it's like, okay. So, like, this next part kind of throws a wrench into my thinking. Sure. The giant, weird armadillo monster pops its head out of the ground and fucking wrecks their skiff, which they turned directly into. After a while. Not immediately did they turn it either. It was after a while. Hey, binoculars. What's that thing? (laughs) I don't know. Drive straight toward it. Oh, it's a giant monster. Oh, I know. Turn directly into the path of its huge fucking ram it. We're going yeah. we're set for ramming speed. First of all, I mean that's like a paper plane crashing into a rhinoceros. <laughs> that doesn't matter at all. You know, like and so then they abandon ship, right? Yeah. Luckily though. Right. Which they said to abandon ship, I believe. If I wasn't mistaken, it's the um black yeah. guy with the grain yeah, yeah. tells everybody to jump off. Seemingly off. leader. Right. And they immediately find <laughs> the entrance tunnel to where the Great Forge is, which is also where the Empire is. Yeah. So, like, they show up. Straight into a trap. Straight into a trap. Yeah. That's the spy I think they are. That's who I think it is, is, is these fuckers. Like, I think these people are like, oh, hey, they landed on the planet. Oh, hey, what do you want us to do? Oh, hey, thanks, Gideon, for the food all these years. We really <laughs> appreciate it. We we hate your guts, but you are the one that feeds us. 
Yeah. You know, in order to get more food, we're going to continue to do what you like. That would be my thought. Now, we also we did find out that like Bo gave the the dark saber to Moth. Yeah. To try and spare his people. Right. And they were they didn't care. They were no. like, fine, that's fine, no big deal. Maybe yeah, they were like that because they either anyways. already knew or they were like, I don't care. I'm leading you to your death anyway. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. But yeah. uh, so hold on. What What's up with that dagger? So Paz Visla pulls out this dagger that seemingly just vibrates a whole bunch. It's called the Vibro Dagger. <laughs> so that it's is what it does. Literally called. <laughs> that's literally what it's called. It is so spot on the nose that it's almost terrible but like okay basically the idea is it's real sharp and then when it it vibrates back and forth it can like cut through like much more dense material i I don't know why but it's a real problem like if you are wearing the armor that most of the mandalorians are wearing that can get you that can stick you sure so when he okay. pulled that out after the chess game, I was like, oh, we're going to cut some bitches. <laughs> that seems like, I mean, it's fucking chess, bro. I mean, I don't know that we yeah. need to <laughs> I know all daggers on the, the piece doesn't move wing. that way. Yeah, it does. Die. A wingmate can flank jump when it's flanked by the other flank jumper. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, you know what? I play. It's, don't you know how Empassant works? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I've gotten in some like legit fights about Upasan in chess. Yeah. And they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, it's Upasan. When you when you double move up and you're adjacent to a pawn, I can I can move past you and take your pawn. And they're like very strict that's, rule. That's but... very stupid. Yeah, it's like it almost never happens. And yeah. I was like, bro, it's French. And then I just yeah. left it at that. <laughs> Doesn't have to make sense. And he wiped the board and got up and walked away. And I was like, it's a legit thing. Google it. So that's kind of embarrassing for have, that person. Have I ever told you the story to kind of tangent here a little bit? Have I ever told you the story of the seven-year-old that kicked my ass? No. Chess? You want to hear it real quick? I would love to. Okay. I'll make it quick because I don't need too much of our time. <laughs> it's a very structured episode, this one, too. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I learned to play chess in like sixth grade. Fall in love with it. Sure. Eighth grade, there's a chess tournament. I enter. It's like double elimination. I lose my first match. I go to the loser's bracket. I win the loser's bracket. I play for the the title. Mm-hmm. I win the title of our 10-person chess club or whatever. Nice. I was pretty stoked, right? Yeah. I thought I was pretty hot shit. So I go to college. I I join, like, there's a couple people there to play chess. We get together and play chess a little bit. Yeah. I'm, like, learning, like, reading books on theory and, like, understanding some other stuff. I think I'm pretty good at chess. Yeah. Okay. Freshman year, I come back home for summer. I go to Barnes & Nobles. There's a chess club. And I was like, oh, cool. Can I can I sit down and play? And there's probably like five or six games going on. And so like the only game that's open is like this legitimate seven-year-old girl. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'll just sit down and play. And like, then I'll wait for a real player to open up or whatever. I sit down. Hi, do you want to play white? She thought the same thing. Yeah. Oh, she did. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I sit down, I play, I start with one of my favorite opens and then like she does something and like, she when she moves her pieces it's i'm picking this up i'm putting it here she knew what she was doing yeah yeah and like six seven moves into the game i was like i might be in real fucking trouble here (laughs) and that that seven-year-old girl wiped my 
wiped the floor with me for the, I was on, I was on defense the whole game. And yeah. so then I knew that I was done. She moves her Bishop to a seemingly inconsequential space. Yeah. And she yeah. Goes, mate in five moves. And I was like, fuck you mate in five moves. <laughs> I'm 12 years older than you. Shut the fuck up. Like I played this game for years. Yeah. And like, this is all in my head. I didn't. Actually right. Say. Of course. <laughs> And so then, but this is the this is the terrible part. This is the terrible yeah. part. So I sat there and I we weren't playing with a clock. So like sure. I sat there and I made my counter move. She moves another piece and she was like mating three moves. And I was like, that's it. And I just <laughs> I I surrendered and like I immediately set the pieces back up to go again. She beat me so much faster the second game. It was yeah. it is one of the most humbling experiences in my entire life. Man. And like you, when you sit down and you're overconfident and someone that you just is innocuous kicks your ass, you really got to sit there and, and say to yourself, you can't, if you're going to compete with anybody, yeah. you got to, you got to take that shit for real. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're out there just looking like seven-year-olds that don't know how to play chess. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've, I've, um. I try not to do that when I would play paper magic too. You can't, yeah. you can't really judge anybody by anything. No, you can't. But I always knew I was going to lose when I just didn't like the person. When I, when I just got a bad vibe and I was like, I really don't want you to win just because I don't like you. I don't, yeah. I don't get a good vibe from you. They always would, which I don't know if that's my own thing or what, but. I shook her hand at the end of it. And I was like, but, I, yeah. I, 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 I like, I apologize. I was like, I thought that I was going to win wipe the floor with you and you're a fantastic player. And I, yeah. I walked away just almost in shock. Never you know? picked up a chess piece again. Well, I did, but <laughs> I have a rule not to play kids. So <laughs> yeah, they got, a, they got this weird thing about chess. Yeah. Snakes in the grass. They're super good at it. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Bo and Din has have a conversation that's pretty interesting after she mentions how she gave up the Darksaber, basically surrendered, and then Din is like, oh, that makes a lot of sense about why you are the way you are, but also he's like, I'll, I'll follow you to the end. Yeah. Essentially. The thing that I liked about that conversation mm-hmm. was my people don't give a shit about the dark saber. Yeah. We don't care about blood. We don't care about the stuff that has kind of always been immaterial in a lot of ways to whether or not you're good at leading people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about a symbol. It's not about whether your parents were leaders. It's about, and like, I think that the nice thing about the tribe is that they exemplify things that he lists like honor loyalty character yeah and he doesn't give a shit who she was like she's a part of the tribe she's demonstrated these qualities to him yeah and he finds like he respects her and like i think that he's willing to follow her out of respect and that's it you know so now the armorer did kind of tab her as like the leader of their people. So I think that helped. Sure. But like you're in this role and then like people could accept it because of the respect. 
but like you know she helped you know rescue ragnar and captured the delicious bird dinner you know and uh you know that's why most... that's why they took him from that planet to to navarre was only they're just like this is good eating right here oh man we gotta you have not had a meal until <laughs> we're gonna have to fell some sequoias to uh get the spit going but uh and it's gonna be great birds. i mean yeah <laughs> you know and it's you know i mean like you know she she gets the fleet back i mean she's done she quadrupled the size of like a united mandalorian front in a however long it took him a week who knows if there was a prophecy written about the leader of mandalore this is what it would have looked like for sure somebody coming together for joining different sects of mandalorians you know walking in both on both sides as as uh uh the blacksmith says the armorer mm-hmm uh you know they will they will rescue a child from a giant bird nest yeah <laughs> they will they will fly look to the east yeah. on the third day you know yeah right like it's uh i'm glad there wasn't a prophecy i don't really like it when there are prophecies mm-hmm. um but like if there was one then she would have uh Before she would have matched it and yeah. like there's a there's a scene Right after he says, and for those reasons, I will follow you, you know, forever, Bo-Katan, Grease, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in the image, you know, it zooms into her past him, and you see her, because um, I'm looking at it right now, with her new new shoulder plate with the uh, uh, mythosaur on it, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it all symbolizes and points to uh, Bo coming into her uh, role as the leader and reuniter of Mandalore. And that, certainly, that certainly does seem to be the direction that we're headed. Yeah. <clears throat> I have doubts about if we'll get there, but I do think that's the direction that we're headed. Yeah. So, so then, you know, run into giant fucking thing, try to run it, try to run through it. In your um, skiff made of duct tape and wishes. Abject failure. That <laughs> it goes very poorly. Luckily, though, somebody is like, well, we're here. Let's ignore that thing now that killed a, a third, not nah, a quarter of them, roughly. Because some, some of them died. I imagine that they did. I For sure. We saw I, a couple of them die. And then they go down. And then they encounter some troopers. So I've looked up the name of these guys. These are, um, so there used to be something called um, Mandalorian Super Commandos. And these are like the creme de la creme of trained in the Mandalorian arts of warfare kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Like pick up any weapon that's a lethal yeah. in their hands kind of a scenario. These are Imperial Super Commandos. Okay. They wear Beskar. These are very clearly the dudes that broke Gideon out of the right. show. So I like that that was like a little nod. Now that we know that it's like, oh, Gideon's people have all the best car they want. Of course, they can make something because they're fucking at the forge to fire through a shuttle to just vacuum anybody out that's not nailed down and then uh, grab Gideon. 
so that was good. You wanted that answered. That didn't go I, unanswered. I did want that answered. I think that that's the most lot. We don't hundred percent know that, but like that does seem like the most logical conclusion yeah. to draw. Yeah. But they chase these, they, they get, it's an ambush, right? They get holed up. They break through them. They run through. And then we see just Imperial structures in the middle of this crevice on Mandalore. Which has to, my jaw dropped to, when I saw it. Yeah. So because I was not expecting it. Uh when so I knew it as soon as they went into the tunnel. Sure. So the so the tunnel, here's why. Because like you go into like a crack in the ground, and then you're in a tunnel that's like, oh hey, this isn't a dilapidated piece of shit tunnel. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and so like that was what led that's the other piece that I was like, oh, these skiff mandalorians or whatever we're going to call them natives yeah are like uh this is where we ran to you know and so then we get to the forge and we go down the tunnel and there's like boxes like in the tunnel and i was like okay come on like boxes and then a little too put together for a planet that's thought to have been cursed and poisoned for the past 10 years bullseye yeah 100 percent. yeah and uh then they come out onto the like deck or whatever it is and i was like <laughs> well that answers a lot of questions uh, we asked we know who bombed bo's house and then like uh yeah who rescued uh gideon from the yeah New and how they were able to do it yeah and uh how we don't know where they are and uh oh you just never left that makes like of course the place that you don't look is the place that you, everyone would assume you'd never be yeah the same place that you want to go to you know like so i was like but i was disappointed because like i was kind of i was kind of like well not disappointed in the writing i was disappointed because like i wanted our heroes to get a win you know oh sure sure and and this is just like oh everything you did was so cute and didn't matter at all you know because it's like up against such a bigger threat than you initially thought you were up to yeah so what I'm hoping for now is it's just like, well, the the bigger they are, the harder they fall, and it'll be a better yeah. story, like when we tell it to our grandkids, right? So like but um a bunch more super commandos drop down and like they, they might be wearing Beskar, but it sure doesn't seem to work for them the way it works for Din. Uh, yeah. Are they all? Because I know Gideon is, but they are too. Yeah, that's what they said. Uh because like when they fly in on the ambush on the first time like Ash yeah. shoots a couple of them or whatever and it just hits them and he's like they're wearing scar armor oh okay okay and i was like that's a really big hill to climb just right there <laughs> yeah 50 dudes with jetpacks and beskar armor they're better equipped than the guys that they're shooting at right yeah so all but one you know and um they run out onto the platform they get separated they separate din from everybody else kill the yeah and they take him prisoner which i thought was weird that that doesn't make any sense to me um you don't you're not like hey kill this because he he, first he has to give his monologue right where he's like thank you now we can finally complete the purge of mandalore you can't be a good villain in that monologue yeah which is a dope line by the way that's got to make you feel super terrible just like ah good we can finish what we started now 
I mean, Moff is, um, he's, uh, oh, what's the word? I mean, he's a narcissist, obviously. Oh, but he's just like the most impressive improvement is that it has me in it. Talking about this Beskar armor that he's crafted, right? Like, I'm the best thing that's happened to combat since combat was invented, right? People invented wheels, but I made them roll. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't really understand that line because, like, the the Dark Troopers from the end of Season 2 were pretty great. Right. And if you're telling me that what you did, well, I mean, like, so are you telling me that your armor is basically like Iron Man's suit? Like, because the dark troopers have almost always been a, a suit of armor for a warrior. Yeah. And, or the phase three versions, which we saw, mm-hmm. which were, these are just droids that are super fucking hard to kill. Yeah. So like, if your armor is like phase four, which we've never seen phase four, I might add, uh, phase four dark trooper tech, then I'm like, I don't know what it's different about it. Because if it's Beskar and it's like. Yeah. I feel like he's just saying I'm really great. He is. He is saying, right. Did you notice his helmet? Uh, it it was, it was a bit Vader-y, right? Looks like a crown. Going back to look at it. Oh Yeah got those directional... oh yeah it's got the three uh three towers on it yeah yeah so that's either a crown or i had one other thought yep when maul took over mandalore darth maul yeah <laughs> shadow collective yeah mandalorians honored him as their leader by adding horns to their helmet oh, okay they were much more pronounced than what gideon has done yeah but like if that mother, I don't see why he wouldn't be like, we're going to downplay the horns a little bit, but like, that's a callback to that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And also it looks like a dope crown. Cause I'm in charge. Yeah. I could totally see someone like him doing something like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this dude, he, you know, he goes on and talks about, um, culture, right. Uh, every yeah. society has something to offer the cloners, the Jedi. And, He's it sounds like he's wanting to take every bit of every part of that that he likes, right? That's a hundred percent right. What I took away from it is it's like I'm going to do Mandalorian better than you guys did. Yeah. By aggregating the best of each, I'll create an army to bring order to the galaxy, right? So it sounds like he's wanting to then because we know he had the cloners working and then he was like, nah, you're good. I'm I'm all set with you guys doing anything, right? So he killed uh, or he scrambled Pershing, right? Yeah. After he was like, cloning is your guys's thing, okay? Not mine. I mean, I did kill your cloner, but like we're good now. I so I he's just he's just leeching everything he wants from everywhere to try and make his own sort of Gideon army. On his way into the meeting at the beginning of the episode, he goes through like rows of those Mandalorian yeah. super or those Imperial super commandos. Yeah, yeah. But between that and the meeting, he also walks by several different tanks or vats or whatever. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I used to think, you know, he put the bounty out for Grogu to get his blood in a an effort to help Palpatine. Now I'm thinking like himself. Okay, like how is if he's 
going to appropriate these kinds of resources yeah and it's for him yeah how does the cloning thing help him right so the one thing that i i have thought about which i which has been done in numerous other like stories and like stuff is what if you made what if you cloned somebody but like took out the like human element of it and just made them like super compliant trainable drones that are people sure meat drones and then you put them in beskar armor and taught them to fly and kill things or as we've seen before the clones yeah it's another clone army right order 66 right i mean yeah yeah i mean like and if you you know clone art clone army version two yeah that shit could be scary (laughs) all the clone troopers were cloned off of Django fett a mango mandalorian right i mean like the the threads tie themselves together (laughs) yeah you know the the jedi blood is still something i'm kind of out there because i mean if i was gideon i wouldn't make anybody that could take me out (laughs) you know so yeah i wouldn't give anybody else the ability maybe he's trying to give himself force powers that's yeah i mean he mentions the jedi yeah he's wanting to appropriate something from the jedi that's got to be it right that's maybe why he even wanted grogu it's their greatest source of strength is their connection to the force. Right. Do you think he'll get it? I don't think we'll know in this season. I think yeah. that what's going to happen is that next season, next episode, the season finale, there's going to be, I think it's just going to be a heartbreaker somehow. Yeah. I actually haven't even ruled out the possibility that Din dies. Oh, interesting. We sh- we'll, we'll finish up with, with our thoughts on what's going to happen. Sure. Um, but in this one here, so he orders the bombers and everyone to go back to the fleet because the fleet is hovering above Mandalore where the armorer and the children Mm -hmm. and, uh, everyone else is Mm -hmm. in the, the, uh, infirmed, but they keep bow and then they go to, they basically say, kill everyone else. And that's when, that's when Bo, or the, sorry, they keep in, take off his jetpack so he can't fly away and take out his uh, whistling pigeons or whatever they are. <laughs> it's a bird, right? Whistling birds. Okay. <laughs> I knew it was a bird. Whistling oh, pigeons sounds all right. No. <laughs> It just they just pick up little breadcrumbs on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's when when once after they watch after they're in this fucking holding cell, basically, watching watching uh Moff just go off on his tirade. Mm-hmm. They're just watching him. And then Moff's like, you know what? Take him with us, kill the rest of them. And that's when Bo's like, I gotta do something. Right. Oh, that's right. I have the saber. Forgot. Uh, so then she starts to cut a hole in the very thick door behind him. Lovely. Great. And they're all holding him off. Luckily they don't ricochet off of the doors cause they would all be dead by now. It's neither here nor there. So then Paz Vizsla is like, I'll hold him off. Right? I got your six. Yeah. I got your six. Everyone go ahead and go. I'm the biggest target. 
that's not wearing Beskar. No one can hit me. Mm-hmm. And I have my giant machine gun. And so he's clearing them off while everyone's running. Everyone's going fine. They're going through this little hole. Mm-hmm. And then Bo is like, that's it. Everyone's clear now. Paz Visla, your turn now. And he's like, this is the way. And he goes and hits the little button to close the door that he could have easily reached for on the other side of the door and let it close. <laughs> but he didn't do that. He did that. Uh, instead, he looks back while everyone's still shooting at only him now. They hit him a couple times, but not enough to do anything. And then he starts shooting all of them down, which is great. And then Bo goes through the tiny hole. And then he dies. It's awesome. His death scene is awesome. Could he not have ran through that hole? Yes, he could have. And not died. Gone back to his kid. Everyone was already free and clear. No one's running. No one is rushing through a hole when you have a dude with a with a machine gun. Mm-hmm. Just pointed at that one little little area. Could it be argued that maybe they could have lifted both doors after that and then they'd still be on their six? Maybe. Maybe. Could he have done it then? Could he have still given himself up then? Yes. I don't think he had to walk out on the platform and then kill them. Now, it was awesome. I just felt there's no reason for a parent to willfully give up their life like that. I don't think. So I've always had a problem with this kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I'm going to heroically sacrifice myself because. I mean. I can understand there being some aspect of creed or like, so like we know that like in Islam, like martyrdom is a desirable yeah. thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To and there might to, be something in the creed about it. I don't know. Yeah, there could be. We don't, we certainly don't know everything that's in creed. It did seem pointless to me. And like, to me, what it seemed like was we needed something to, to give us a litmus test for how cool the Praetorian guards are. Right. For sure. Yes. And so I think what's what they're setting up for is a fight in the finale, including the guards, that really matters. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the guards are going to die. I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> right, right. So it just, I feel like there's a, there's a different way to go about that type of thing. He could have gone down fighting. Now, when his his gun overheated and everything, that looked awesome. Fucking dope as shit. Man. Yeah, and he throws it at some. This is great. Yeah, it's oh, awesome. My favorite, my favorite part about the gun throwing. He yeah. knocks that dude down, and there's two other guys who are shooting him and hitting him. Yeah, and he takes the. T- he takes the time to go over to the guy that he knocked yeah, out yeah. and throws him off the edge of the platform. <laughs> While being shot. I just thought that was so great. He's like, hang on one second. I just got to yeah. make sure this one's dead. I mean, how badass is it that you're being uh, pelted with, with bullets, right? And you're just like, I'm not done with this one yet. All right? I, I, I watched the episode twice and both times yeah. I just I almost break down crying with laughter. <laughs> it's like, hang on, hang on, I gotta finish hang on, I gotta finish this guy off just real This quick, motherfucker real quick. right here. Oh man. 
You yeah. Know, poor poor Mark or whatever who was in the armor. He's just like, oh, thank God, I just got knocked unconscious. I hope he doesn't throw Oh, he threw me off the platform. Fuck. Yeah. If I just lay here, he'll ignore me. Yeah. Nope. Mark's in the fetal position, desperately trying to have no one call attention to himself. <laughs> right. So I feel like there are other ways that they could have they could have done that, which lead to the same outcome, but isn't it's make it not a choice because this was a choice, right? This was to me anyway, this seemed like a choice for he chose to die at that moment when he didn't have to. So you're saying you would have you would have enjoyed it more if they'd written it a different way? I think so. I just, yes, probably like, I like the fight scene. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the choice that he made. Right. It doesn't seem, it seemed avoidable to me in so that moment. The next time that we talk about how Din Jaren just drops the dark saber to Bo-Katan. Yeah. Remember how you feel about this moment. <laughs> well, I don't know that I, I, I mean, I guess I went on what, like a three minute rant about it's it. It's not, between our ability to rant i mean and i love you but like i far exceed your ability to rant yes i would agree uh all right so then that's it that's the end of the episode but i'm curious see i don't you know I'm, i'm trying to get better about spoilers and knowing things I haven't watched any sort of like Easter egg videos on this yet because I didn't want any anyone else's input except yours kind of coloring what I thought would happen. Yep. You know, I, I, I watched halfway through the first one and they were like, the armorer might be the bad guy. And that's colored my opinion of it the ever since. Season. Yeah, without without anything else. Right. So. Mm-hmm. um, So when someone is like, everyone will be divided. By by the end of this season. I don't like that people say that, first of all. When it's the people that may, are making it. Right. I think right. that it's like, I think that's on purpose. That's stupid. Okay. me. Because we're all going to watch it no matter what, right? Yes. No one is watching this episode and not watching the last episode. Right. I could see someone watching the first, second, or third and then being like, Mandalorian's overdone. Huh? Uh, but not if you made it this far. But I don't know, like <clears throat> now I'm sort of expecting there to be some grand sort of event that happens. I'm being told how I'm I'm being told how I should feel about by the end of this episode, and I don't sure. like that. Okay. I don't like that at all. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, I may not be good at interpreting my own feelings from time to time. Takes me a while, maybe, but I like, I still like to do it on my own. Sure. Right. Um, I'm fine if we discuss it, though. I mean, you know, the cat's out of the bag. I'm fine if we discuss what could possibly, what that could possibly mean, or based on what's happened in this episode, what we think is going to happen. The fact that Din Jaren's still alive, um, is stupid. From a Moff Gideon perspective, unless they unless they give us a good reason, maybe he wants to appropriate more from him. I don't know. Yeah, I have a theory. What's your, what's your theory? Um, so uh, before before I okay. give you my theory, I, I want to say I have the exact opposite problem that you do. I don't have to interpret my feelings. I know immediately how I feel. <laughs> sure. 
I mean, I some I some I take a lot of time to interpret why I feel a certain way as well, but understanding or uh, uh, knowing what I'm feeling or how I feel about something right away not not necessarily my strong suit. Here's my theory. This season has not gone the way that I had expected at all. So I'm not trying to predict anything. I'm just going to tell you yeah. what I think is would be the worst for me. <laughs> We're going by what you really don't want. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't, you're right. It doesn't make any sense of all the people. So based upon the way that the season has gone, the biggest threat to Gideon now is Bo-Katan. She has the dark saber. She is very clearly the leader of this group of people. Why capture Din Djarin? Mm-hmm. So I have two ideas. One, it has something to do with Grogu. He wants Grogu back. Oh, okay. That makes sense. By the way, I should mention that people who are fans of Grogu have nicknamed themselves Grogang. Grogang? Awesome. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fun. Secondly, here's the thing that I would break my heart. And I, I honestly mean break my my heart. I would yeah. it would be terrible. He's going to convert him. Huh. Little ball with the needle floats in, injects him with drugs. We're going to brainwash you. Now you're a loyal lieutenant of Moff Gideon. And the season closes with Bo Katan, everything slipping away. She's got to run away again. And you see Din Djarin down the hallway. There's fire and explosions and sparks and all that stuff. And he comes and he, he's walking up behind Gideon and he stops at his right hand. And that's the season. Yeah. And it would just break my heart. I could see that happening. That's why I think that it would be breaking my heart. Why do you <laughs> want to keep the guy alive? Yeah. You just want his armor? Okay, right after, right after he says to Bo, like I'll follow you Maybe. till the end, right? If you're going to appropriate someone's culture, there's no bigger soul shattering break than if you can just forcibly change someone's mind and loyalty. Yeah, and they have harped on loyalty and solidarity and creed this whole episode. So the next thing that Gideon can do to appropriate this culture is to, in some way. Uh, artificially break creed yeah he's gonna roll out there with his helmet off i bet blank look on his now i think that's what's gonna happen so here's my thoughts on the last episode i think that the the mandalorians that were on the ship so i don't think the armor is a spy i think that that's been Mm -hmm. i think that that is born out of the idea that we have really no idea who that character is and therefore her motivations and whatever. Yeah. All I feel evidence. like they've turned her into a red herring. Right. At this point for that. Completely agree. And so like, here's my thought. The other spy quote unquote are the people on the skiff. Now those people are a Trojan horse up to the fleet. We're going to try and take out the fleet. Cause you just can't have good people. Can't have nice things. Yeah. Then uh fleets taken out, maybe the armor and one or two of the other, like, notable people make it in an escape pod onto the planet or whatever so they're not written off the show yeah but you take the way a fleet almost immediately as you give it to them and then everyone's got to fight for their lives on mandalore and then season four is the resistance on mandalore trying to take it back from 
from Washington, yeah. I guess. You can't, you can't contact outside the planet, so you can't get any help. And no one knows that you're there. And like we, they've said that multiple times now. It's like you can't scan from outer space. Yeah. So you're either on the planet and marooned, or you're outside the planet and you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. So the, the only thing is, the only thing I would think of there then is, uh, Karga is like, I haven't heard from them in a while. I think I'll pay them a visit. Sure. Right. Sure. But that's next so season. The only thing, so like when Dave Filoni came out and said, I think fans will be divided on the on the finale. The only thing I can think of is that means some kind of separation between Din Djarin and Grogu. Yeah. You, so you've given Grogu some kind of autonomy. autonomy right? Yeah. You've also, every time we've seen them traveling, the three of them together, Grogu is by Bo. Right. So... I'm just, I mean, yeah. I also haven't rolled out that Din Jaren dies, but like doing Oof. something, but like if I had to put money on who's probably going to be around for seasons five, six, and seven or whatever, I'd rather bet on Katie Sackoff than Pedro Pascal. Yeah. So I thought this episode was great. I really liked it, but also I, the whole time I was just like, oh, fuck this. Oh, fuck that. Oh, fuck this. <laughs> Like, just waiting for the... I mean, like, there was another shoe that dropped multiple times in this episode. And I'm just like, these are the tap dances before someone comes up and kicks you in the taint. I mean, like... Right, right. Because, you know, historically, the seventh episode has been when, like, the major stuff is sort of figured out. So the only thing that I think could make this season turn out as, like, a quote-unquote, like, win for the good guys yeah is if you pull something like you did in season two where luke skywalker shows up out of the blue unannounced and like i don't think that you can do that again those x-wing fighters come out of nowhere we were just patrolling the area and decided to come down like those guys i mean they've used that character tiva carson yeah uh they've used him again in the season like he's a recurring character at least but like I could see him like saving the fleet, but right. But then everyone has to like run away. Yeah. To be, to get to safety or whatever. That Trojan horse thing makes a lot of sense too. I just am so scared that like in the first five minutes of the finale, we're going to dock with the ship and then like, we're going to be like, okay, what's going on? Well, all the sensors are really acting up. And then all of a sudden, like two of those guys laying on the floor, all beat up, get like, look at each other. And it's like, Oh, it's the look right before you do something. Yeah. Betrayal E, right? You know, like Yeah, yeah. Like it's always it's it's never death that's the the kick in the ass. It's the betrayal. It's the right. thing that that when you when you have something that's yours, like it's your character, it's your story, and it gets taken away from you and like corrupted. Yeah. That's the thing that breaks your heart. And if like if you want to divide a fan base, turn turn the Mandalorian into a bad guy whether it's his fault or not. Like, that's the thing to me that would just be like, you fucking fuckers. Like, (laughs) I mean, yeah, if they do that, I don't like when they do that just because it's like, you're right. It doesn't feel great, but I'm sure then it's either going to be, you know, his love for Grogu that pulls him out of it 
in the end or his you know his service to to lady crees as he calls her right like those are going to be the things but he's going to do terrible things before we get to that right anakin got redeemed too just took 20 years (laughs) yeah i don't imagine that if he is turned it will be for very long well i mean like let's say that let's say it's hard to say the the storyline right and you go into season four yeah it's got to be the it's got to be the opener where you get them back, right? Because like no right. one's gonna be like, boy, you know what? I really want to keep watching with like evil Dinjarin, you know, like <laughs> you know. So like it would be, I think it might be neat if like let's say I was right and I finally guessed the plot of an actual TV show, and like you bring back Bill Burr to like help yeah. go get him or something. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. You're an ex-imperial. Ever have any any experience with like crevice bases or whatever? <laughs> you know right, or what right. have you and then like din and the armorer and you know the rest of the crew are like all right we're gonna go get them but like instead of 100 mandalorians now there's 15 you know because they yeah got fucked <laughs> you know but like here's my thing like at the end of season one like gideon had at least been taken down and our heroes get away at the end of season two like luke comes in saves the day that was nice Book of Boba Fett were there to help him out on Tatooine. Season three of The Mandalorian, like, how am I walking out of this feeling good about this? <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like we're going to be, right? I mean, it seems like a really big hill to climb right now. Like, what cards doesn't Gideon hold? The The vibe of this season has been pretty low. Like, they threw in Jack Black and Lizzo to sort of give it some levity there in the middle. Like these are the jokes that you get right before we, you know, crush your soul. So appreciate these. <laughs> right. right now, every every everything, every loyalty that they set up, every every heartfelt moment, you're like, there's a dagger at the end of this timeline. Yeah. I mean, even when the armorer was taking the the injured or whatever up to the fleet, and you were flying through, and I was like, yeah, what's gonna happen? Why do I feel so ominous right now? Right. And I was like, why are you showing me her taking them up to the fleet? Yeah. That didn't matter at all in the context of that episode. But they chose to show it to us, right? Yeah. So either you're like next level fucking with my head or you're like setting something up. Like, I almost feel like season three is a setup for season four. Yeah. It has I get that vibe now too, yeah. Empire Strikes Back feeling where like the bad guys are winning and you got to set the table for the heroic this one's not going to end good at all. Right. Yeah. But it's like, if you want to feel good about what's just happened, you have to watch next season. Right. Which is kind of a fuck you. They've done it before. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I don't think that like, um, I mean, I mean, you could make the argument that like Empire Strikes Back, The Lost Jedi, those are largely the bad guys win. And like the good guys, the what you take away is that you live to fight another day. And ultimately, you're going to be triumphant. But like, Star Wars has never really been about like, hey, the good guys are just going to incrementally win and everything's cool. Yeah. So, but yeah. like, if I get blank stare, Pedro Pascal Hamilton off standing next to Moff Gideon, who's got the dark saber back or whatever, I'm just going to be like, ah, oh, this. I should have woken up at five to watch this. Do not text me anything. Understood. Okay. <laughs> How about this? Make your I won't text you anything, but maybe be available for a phone call at some point during the week so I can I've got no yeah. one else to talk to about yeah, this yeah. shit. So I'll be available when you get off of work on Wednesday. Okay. 
afternoon. So you, you'll have watched it. I when, yeah, I watch it on my uh, lunch break on Wednesday. Okay, I appreciate that. The date is set. Yeah. All right, I think we did it. I think we did it too. This was pretty good. Yeah. Well, we think so. If you didn't think so, well, it's our podcast. I mean, we get to make those yeah. choices. Fuck so. you then. All right. Uh, so we got Mandalorian one more time next week, and then we'll find other stuff to do. Visions comes out in May. And then oh, I know Ahsoka comes out in August. I haven't seen a premiere date for Skeleton Crew yet. So that could be even like it could be winter. Yeah. Or whatever. But like, there's some other stuff we could pick back up with Bad Batch. We could watch Rebels. That would be awesome. Um, there's a lot of Mando stuff in Rebels. So, okay. Okay. Uh, plus, Rebels would set us up for the Ahsoka tel- television show. We'll probably finish Bad Batch after this, right? But then uh, that would make the most sense to me. Yeah. But hopefully, you enjoyed what you heard today. If you did or didn't, mediocre conversations at gmail.com. Yeah. And you can tell us how you feel about it. That'd be awesome. As Chris does every week. That's right. And we love it. Yes. Until then, this is the way. This is the way. <laughs>